You're now listening to Music Impulse with Smiles. It's your boy Smiles And we back for another episode of the Music Impulse On this very special episode I told y'all I want to do like a fatherhood episode So I had to holler out one, one guy Who I think is a great father, great businessman Just great man in general uh, His name is Leonard Robinson How you doing sir? I'm doing great Josh, how are you man? I'm doing good, I'm doing good uh, how, How's your weekend going so far? Hey man, I, I have to admit man The weather's nice, I went and got a workout done And uh you know, it can't get any better. No rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, it's, it's definitely been hot these last last few days. Summer's here in Dallas. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, definitely wanted to bring bring you in. You know, talk about your book, uh, Hill, your your business, Robinson International, and everything. But first off, just let, let us know a, a little bit about Leonard Robinson. You know, I know you're from Louisiana and all that. So give us a little bit about who you are. A Louisiana born and raised. Um, I come from a large family. I'm the youngest of ten. And uh, I've got a great family foundation. My, uh, my, my parents have just truly been uh, my role models in everything I've done and uh, we've lived through. I um, have three beautiful kids. They're all adults. They're scattered out throughout the country. And, uh, again, they're my pride and joy, and they just make me a better dad and make, make me a better man. And, and just my belief in God, you know, uh, just looking at that as, as being the number one factor that, that's the balance of my life. So. Yeah, uh, which actually brings to my first, well, not my first, but one of the questions I had just from reading the book. I, I got about 45 pages out of the 60 pages uh, through it. I actually started reading it this morning, and it was just like, got to get through this book. <laughs> so first off, I got to say, I love how like each chapter is really like only like one or two pages. So yeah. it's like it's not, it's not like you get right to the straight to the point. You give your example, and it's like there, boom, we out. <laughs> right, right. And that's where it was designed, uh, Josh. It was designed to... Be an easy read, but also something because I'm not a good, I'm not a reader. I've never <laughs> been a reader. I love reading leadership books, but one most important thing that I wanted to do that God put in my mind to do is is put chapters of of, of life stages and just put it in segments to where people can digest it and, and apply it. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, I definitely wanted to ask you. Um, I guess the importance of religion in your life because I, I I know I'm, I'm definitely trying to get back into it you know as young folks it's like you know as a kid you're like kind of like i guess forced by your parents like hey go to go to sunday school and all this and then you kind of like some grow out of it and then like in and out like a couple years ago uh i was baptized and i was going to church like routinely and then about like a year year and a half ago you know with the pandemic i guess kind of just stopped going and then i'm not really a virtual church person because I know at home I'm going to get distracted and, and all this like even my mom still says today like I wish you you know kind of get back to going to church because like she's a pastor at her church back in Akron Ohio so wow. so it's just like I'm like yeah I, I know it's just like but I'd rather just kind of just sleep in because I know if I pull up my phone and watch it because they're not letting people in because I go to Friendship West absolutely it's just like I know myself I'm not going to really fully pay attention by watching them on Facebook or you know Instagram lives like I need to be 
there yeah. <laughs> in person to focused on it, you yeah, know, captivated. Yeah. So, but I guess yeah, just speaking about your, uh, I guess the importance of religion in your life because I definitely noticed that throughout the book so far. Man, religion is, is my key. Uh, again, Josh, I was just like you, man. I, I was your age, and you know, I was raised in a church. You know, my mother dragged me to church. Sunday school, all that kind of good stuff. And, and, and like I said, even through life, man, I, I, I didn't, I had a relationship with God, but I didn't, I, not only take that back, I knew who God was, but I didn't have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's a difference. That's a difference when you, you know of, of someone, but when you feel of someone and that person becomes you in that relationship, it's, it's a very, you know, it's, a, it's an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think once, you know, you, you get settled in your life and I mean, you still got plenty of time and God is blessing you. I can see just with what you're doing and, and, and obviously, you know, um, how God is just giving you the mindset to do these type of things. Um, relationship to me, man, is just having that relation. You know, God's my relationship with God is all about the connection, about me allowing God to guide me through life instead of Leonard guiding through life. You know, yeah. and it's just submitting to one. Yeah, because I know uh, it was a part of your book where you mentioned, hey, yeah, I was doing all these things and, you know, getting all these rewards and being successful. But, you know, what what, what about God? I wasn't thanking God for all this stuff. It was like, it's not just my hard work. It's, it, it was all because of, of God. I got to thank God. So Absolutely. It, it was, I, I've, I've had, I've been blessed to have some amazing opportunities in my life and employment and, and, and going to different places. I mean, I, I, in my young time, I've, out of 50 states, I think I've gone to well over 40. Oh, wow. Um, I've been, I've worked for Fortune 500 companies. And, and again, this was when I was your age, Josh, and, and I thought it was all about me. This had, you know, I didn't put God first. I, I thought all my accolades and my accomplishments and my achievements in life, it came from me just, you know, getting it in and working hard. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, man, it, it, it came to realization that, you know, God is much bigger than anything else in this world. And I didn't give him that honor and I didn't give him that praise. And even when you climb to the top, you fall. And I fell, you know, um, went through a lot of different life challenges and, and God brought me back because of that relationship. That's, that's cool. It's cool. And I also saw in your book, you describe yourself as a, a life coach and a business coach. So I guess, can you describe the, uh, each of them oh, a life coach and a business coach? Cause I know a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a life coach, but I've never really understood what's a life coach and all that. And then I've never also never heard of a, a business coach. So a, a life coach, you know, is someone that, that, that you can go to and it's, it's a, it's not at the same level of land on a sofa. You know, when you go to a psychiatrist and they try to figure out what's broken and what's wrong, a life coach, you sit down with individuals and you find out what's going on with them. You're finding out, you know, and, and I have a theme, and I, I stole this off of a, a TV show that I fell in love with. And the theme is, and the slogan that I use, that says, what, would, what do you want to change about yourself? And when you're talking about change, you're talking about life. And mm-hmm. when I'm talking to individuals and they're saying, well, Leonard, I'm going through this, from a life perspective, I give them some guidance, and it's all from a spiritual place. Right? It's never based on what Leonard believes or what Leonard thinks. It all comes through God and the faith that I have and the belief that I have in God and how he can fix things. So we sat down, we do sessions, I put them on a plan. We go through you know, a, a, a trip through life of scenarios that they've been challenged with. And then I switch gears when I go to the business. The business side is where I've sat down with executives and they tell me about strategic planning. They tell me about what's going wrong with their operations. They tell me what those bottlenecks are and why they can't drive revenue. So I look at it from a schematic perspective and I say, okay, let's see your business plan. Let's look at what you've got going and how can we make it better? 
And rather that be from restructuring certain things from an employment perspective or looking at process improvements, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt that obviously you don't know because if you did, you change it. Yeah. So, you know, and, and never to discredit or make anybody feel less of themselves, but just to let them know that, hey, look, you do have options, you know, in a, in a business perspective and also in life. So God just kind of, you know, guided me to that and actually brought me to my book, Heal. So it's all just inclusive ties all in together. Uh, yeah, so uh, I saw it came out in 2020s. Uh, I guess what, what was the I guess the moment that made you say like, "Hey, I'm gonna sit down and write a book," or I, what, and then also, how long did it take you to, to write it? <laughs> wow, I, that's <laughs> you know, Josh, that that book has been in the works for well over. I started doing videos. I started doing YouTube videos and Facebook videos, and okay. and, and then I, you know, um, my daughter uh, Kristen, she said that why don't you write a book? She said, you've been doing this all your life. <laughs> you've been coaching people all your life. You've been doing all this stuff, and now you're doing videos. Write a book. And, again, I, I, I'm not a literary, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not that guy. I was probably the worst as it pertains to English class and lit class. <laughs> so, so here I am trying to put together a book. Your English and, teacher would be so shocked. Oh, at you. my God. Man. You know what? She would probably give me an A. You know, she'll probably change that C to, uh, to an A. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I was able to get my daughter to actually go through my videos mm-hmm. and document it. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, she kind of helped the entire process from a, from a you know, writing it down and making a delivery. And I found a publishing company, and, and they decided, hey, look, we love your book. And uh, it took off from there. Yeah, uh also, I would definitely say, even though I bought it when I first met you, now that I know you and I know your voice, it's it's way much easier to get through the book because I'm literally reading it in your voice. And it's like, now that I know him as a person and how he talks, it's way much easier to because it's, like, it's, it's literally like I'm hearing your voice in my head as I'm reading it. And I'm like... Okay, this is way much easier to get through than when I first did because it's like I don't I don't know like how you are as a person and you're so it's like, but I was like reading it now it's like oh this is easy it's yeah, like yeah. so I literally hear it in your voice. Hey man, I'm an easy guy. Hey, like I said, we, we work together and I, and I think you know you're an amazing young man and what you're doing and I think this is something that's special because it does connect us even more so from a, a leadership perspective and also friendship and also Christian relationship. So I'm glad to be here. So thank you. Oh, yeah, appreciate you saying those kind of words, too, as well. Um, one thing I, I did have, I was kind of confused about when you said deceptive color coloration. Mm-hmm. I, I know you used, like, the example of, like, the zebra, the zebra. and lion. Like, can you guess, explain that a, a little deceptive bit more? Deceptive coloration. Wow. When, when we go through life, um, every, and I, and I use the analogy of the zebra because it's, uh, no zebra is exactly alike. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can see them in a zoo and you can think, oh, they're all black and white, but they have a different pattern. And deception, deceptive coloration is based on the fact that what you see is not always what you get. And even in life, when we go through deceptive co- uh, coloration, you know, we you know, we have some people and, and I'm, I'm going to pull a little bit from out of the book and then I'm going to pull a bit out of a personal. Um, when we go through life, sometimes. People that are your friends and portray to be your friends aren't really your friends. Yeah, uh, people that, that claim to be on your team, you know. Um, and the same thing, you know, like from a, a perspective of you're out and about and, and you're doing things, you know, and, and you may think that you're on the right path. You may think that, hey, look, you're, you know, what you're seeing is exactly the vision that needs to be there. 
But when you're not paying attention to everything else that's going on around you, it tends to blend in and you lose yourself. And, and deceptive coloration is, is just a piece of, is a part of life that when you're going through, what you see is not always what you get. Mm-hmm. And you have to be focused on your life and you have to be focused on what your, you know, what your vision is and not anybody else's vision. Sometimes we adopt other people's visions. And other people's dreams, you know. If you hear your best friend say, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to, you know, Paris one of these days. Next thing you know, you're plugging it in your mind saying, I want to go to Paris. Oh, I want to go to Paris one of these days. But that's really not what you wanted. Yeah. You got caught into the, 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 the nice drama and a nice feel of saying that. But sometimes we have to sit back and we have to look at what we really want in life. And that's what deceptive coloration is about. It's about making sure that it's the right thing for you. I use the term of the zebra because when the zebra's out in the out in the wild, you know, one thing that that throws off the the the, uh, the predators is the fact that their colors kind of blend, mm-hmm. and as they're running, it distracts the other individual. And when you've got so many things going on, that's what that distraction's all about, and it's designed to confuse anything around you. So you have to be very focused on when you look at certain things and how you look at life. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. De- definitely. Um, you you mentioned uh, about your, your motivation behind behind the book. Uh, I know you said it's also part of a series. So, I guess what, what's what's next in this this series? Hey, that's another <laughs> book, Josh. There's, there's definitely another book. Um, it's in the works right now. It and, you know I, I didn't realize that it took so much time to write a book. And and I asked myself, you know, I, I wanted to release. Actually, I went to originally release this book several years back, and okay. and it just became to a point to where you know I, I got demotivated. You know, I kind of got taken back by saying, you know, no, it's not going to work. It's, you know, I don't want to go through all this. The book has to be five hundred pages. It has <laughs> to be this, and 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 I just took a step back away from myself, and I said, you know, you know, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And I put together, you know, my book, which I thought was going to be bigger, but. Obviously, it's a perfect size because, like again, I'm not I'm, I'm not a very avid reader, but that book two is really going to stem from some of the same processes, but it's going to come from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly believe that you know, heal is just a, a beginning piece of not only going through the pandemic, but how do we look at things as as a, as a in totality? Mm-hmm. Um, heal is not only just a part of reality, but it's a part of getting better. Mm-hmm. So I want my books to continue to just create a better um, emotional feel, a better connection with God, a better self, you know, heal to where you're right now during what this pandemic is doing to us right now. You know, we're, we're cooped up in homes. We're restricted from doing certain things. Now it's opening back up. But how do you move forward? Right. How do we make sure that what we're doing is the right thing to prevent this from ever happening again? And I know we can't control it. What can we do to start looking at handling that a little bit better than we did already? All right, cool, cool. Oh, all right. Next question I wanted to ask you, uh, being, being that you're, you're an entrepreneur, you have your own business and everything. I guess how has it been balancing? I guess you know working a corporate job, but but also you know still being you know an entrepreneur, and, and then also you know outside that you got you know got family life, married, and all that. I guess so. What's it like balancing all wow. that for you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh, it's it's. You know, I, in most situations, you would think that it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but it's actually, I won't say it's totally balanced. I think you, once I prioritize what I really want to do, and obviously, you know, my corporate position is definitely going to be number one cause, uh, because I'm 100% committed. So I find ways to navigate my business in between that time. You know, coming home late after night, 
you know, after work and then doing it on weekends, whatever projects I can put together, mm -hmm. uh, business network, you know, uh, mixers that I'm doing on Fridays um, and getting more involved with community involvement. Everything seems to just fit in. So right now I'm not too overly overwhelmed with everything right now, but I can tell you, you know, what we're doing right now with season opening up, it's, it's going to be kind of crazy. But so far, so good. You know, everything is pretty well balanced. Uh, also, uh, I guess, when did you say you wanted to become an entrepreneur or, like, start doing, like, this type of stuff? What, what was, I guess, do you remember the first thing that made you, like, say you wanted to do, like, your own business outside of the corporate life? I, I would have to say I was maybe 10 or 11. My, 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 father, oh, wow. my father opened up his own business. My father... Uh, <laughs> It was a very, you know, I, I, I love my dad to death. May he rest in peace. Um, my father decided to open up his own business, and uh, and I, I was kind of like a little junior uh, partner uh, with this concept. <laughs> we we have a, we had a plumbing and electrical company down in in uh, Louisiana, and my dad had was a certified plumber uh, for a company uh, down in Louisiana. And all of a sudden, he just said, "Hey." If I'm going to do this, I want to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. And he walked away, man. He walked away, and he took his trade, and he, he built his own market. He built his own customers. And, you know, next thing you know, and I, I was going through, you know, I, I guess back then they call it industrial arts. So I started making my dad business cards from three-by-five cards. See, they, they don't have three-by-five cards anymore. So I had three-by-five cards, and I was filling up my dad's name and his number and, you know, contact us. And this is our – I was like, hey, Dad, we need a – you know, you need a, uh, you know, uh, um, you know uh, a fee that you charge when, when you show up just to make sure people are going to, you know, pay you when you get there. So you have to have all this stuff. And my dad's like, oh, really? So next thing you know, my dad went to go give me an invoice book. And I became the little bookkeeper. I'm like, hey, look. <laughs> so, so here I am, you know, being a little young, you know, not even a, a true teenager. And I'm sitting there right now, my dad's invoices and everything. And then, you know, uh, several of my other zip siblings, uh, I have a sister, Virginia. She opened up a hair salon, you know, and, and all my other siblings have just been, you know, not only working in corporate America, but doing their own things. And, okay. and it, that, it's just I think it was just, just a life thing. Yeah, Hey, look, man, if I'm going to work hard, I might as well work hard for myself. So uh, just seeing my dad and, and my mom just kind of go through that, it was just amazing. So it just gave me the inspiration to do that. Do you, do you ever think you'll get to a, a point in your life where you're just like, I'm ready to give up the corporate life and just do the whole entrepreneurial thing full time? Hey, yeah, I, I, I look at that every day, Josh. I have to be totally honest. I, uh, you know, I always want to, to be the best I can be. I always want to provide what I can. Um, I would love to be at a, a situation in my in my career to where I can just walk away from corporate and I, and I and I I stepped away for it for maybe about a year mm. and start really working on my business, working on the book, and uh, just had a passion to go back to see if I still had it. And uh, I think I'm going to be maybe in the next three or four years ready to just walk away and say, Hey, look, I'm just going to commit to just opening up other businesses, uh, commit to focusing on Robinson International. Um, my book right now is actually in London. It's at a book fair in London. Okay. Uh, it's actually in four countries right now. Nice, and, nice. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, you know, those are things that, you know, obviously uh, have impacted everything. And also my book uh, was uh, went to the New York Times as a bestseller. Okay, so, uh, it's Thank you. So, again, these are things that I don't ever get caught up and get cocky with. The old Leonard, man, I... <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'd be wearing sunglasses and wearing <laughs> I'd be wearing a gold chain saying it's me, it's me, it's me. But no, it's never been me. But and like I said, I'm very humble of how God has blessed me. But uh yeah, three or four years, man, uh, I'm going all the way in on Robinson International. 
Okay, cool, cool. So to go back a little bit, you know, speak about your father and also you being a father, what are some things you would say that your father taught you that you want that you've passed on to your kids or you want to continue to pass on to your kids? And I guess also after that, what are some things that he didn't teach you that you want you did teach like uh, pass on to your kids? That- wow. Uh, my father was ex-military, Josh, so every morning, 6 a.m., you got up out of bed, you made your bed, you washed your face, you put your clothes on. I mean, it was very regimental. Yeah. So my father grew us up to be very structured, mm-hmm. you know, and very disciplined. Um, growing up down in the South, it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I taught my kids, hey, yes, sir, no, ma'am. I mean, I'm just a Southern gentleman as it regards to how you raise your kids. My kids woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, they cleaned they clean their rooms, they did their chores, they brushed their teeth, the whole nine yards. I also saw my dad was a hard worker. Uh, he never made excuses. He was always out there grinding. Um, my father was a jack of all trades. I mean, you know, he went from owning his own company to being a mechanic, <clears throat> being, you know, a state trooper for the state of Louisiana. So oh, wow. he, he did these different things, and he did it without, you know, any type of just – attention to his to what he was doing you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and I, I think what i saw in my dad was a never die attitude and he just kept you know most you know situations when you hear about 10 kids in a family i mean 10 yeah. you know and we all have the same father you know what i'm saying so it's like you know you know that is what i valued so much you know in having such a large family and just being so connected and my dad was just he was just a hard worker he was a grinder i i, I got everything i ever wanted I can't sit back and say, you know, I was neglected or or I didn't get certain things. My parents provided for me the best way they could, and I appreciated it. I think one thing that I that 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 maybe my father um, probably didn't do as much as my father. You know, he didn't show a lot of affection. My father was just a hard worker, and I'm not saying he was an affection man. I'm saying yeah, was- what I didn't get is the fact that, you know. Looking back over my shoulder, I can sit back and say, yeah, my dad was always working. You know, uh, he didn't come to my football games. He didn't come to my basketball games. He wasn't coming to my plays. My mom always supported me. But what I wanted to do different is I wanted to be better in reference to supporting my kids and being available. And then as my kids were younger, me working and grinding and doing corporate America, I traveled a lot. I missed some of those things. So mm-hmm. I had to look back over my shoulder and said, I don't want my kids not to know that I don't, you know, I wanted to support them in their plays and activities and things like that. So I learned that uh, from my dad of of the things that he wasn't able to do. I wanted to make sure I was more connected. I have a great relationship with my three adult kids now, man, and it's amazing. I, I, they, they still see me as dad, but it's so much of a better connection than I had with my father. Yeah, that's what I've definitely noticed just talking to, like, friends and stuff like that and other people's like, you know, like your generation before that, like, a lot of fathers were just like that. It's like, no, my dad wasn't bad. It just, you know, just wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, wasn't the type to say, like, I love you. I, it's not, not like he didn't love me. It was like, that's just how, like, a lot of men just <laughs> were. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing, man. And I tell my kids I love them every, every time I get talk to them. And I, my kids actually still reach out to me once a week and say, hey, Dad, how you doing? I love you. And, and then I even got them to the point to where, I started getting, encouraging them to say, hey, God, you know, hey, how, how's your day going, Dad? Mm-hmm. Because instead of saying, hey, Dad, where the money's at, <laughs> ask me how I'm doing. So it kind of changed the, the dynamics of our conversations. But, again, man, I, I tell my kids I love them every day. So Yeah, and I know with, um, my dad and even my mom, I tell people, 
Yeah, I feel like I have a better relationship with my parents now as an adult because as an adult still having questions and trying to figure things like I call them like okay I, I, just, I just have a question I, I need to figure this out or or this is the issue going on I just need like some advice just right. to talk to and then like even just talk to my dad how like he's got him in and he's just like hey he takes like come to see us in Dallas a whole lot he's like hey yeah any chance I can to come see my kids and my grandkids absolutely I'm gonna do it yeah. <laughs> it's just like he's like hey Time is short, and he was like, you, you never know what could happen. He was like, so I take this time to be with my kids and my grandkids. Absolutely. Way more valuable now because, again, he, he's one of those workaholics like my sister. And people say they're like, yeah, you get that. How you work so hard, you get that from dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. You know, and you know what? And, and, and just to, to hear you say the fact that your relationship, you know, with your parents, you know, as an adult. And I think that's one of the biggest the, the biggest bridges that you can build as parents get older they see their kids mature and they respect them a lot more when they see them out there doing those great things so tribute to you and your parents and the connection y'all have yeah it's like and even though like my parents are together my one thing my dad always said he's like make sure you call your mom every week talk to your mom every week really he was like if, if you don't like you ain't gotta talk to me like all the time but he was like that's one thing because he said because like, his uh mom my grandmother died uh before i was born oh, sorry, he was man. like he's like that's one of the things he was like call your mom every week so that's what I do. <laughs> wow. I, I talk to my mom at least once a week. He was like, yeah, he's like, I feel like every, at least your son or like, he's like pretty much both kids, say that, but especially son. Talk to your mom every wow. week. Just call and check on her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, That's cause, amazing. Cause, he's like, because you, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Nothing's guaranteed, man. So so I'm sure your mom yeah, appreciates you for making that time just to call and reach out to her, too. So. Yeah. So I was like, I definitely make make sure I do that. Like, hey, mom. She's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, just driving home or, you know, just sitting there uh, chilling at the house. Just call and check in, you know. Yeah. How's everything going? Mm. Yeah. We always want to know how our kids are doing. And then it's even better when we don't have to track you guys down and, and, and you guys reach out to us. So that's that's a blessing right there, too. Yeah, because I definitely remember times in college. It was like when I'd see her call, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call her back in, in a minute. And then like a day or two later, like, oh, yeah, I never did. Yeah. Call yeah. her back. Cause. Hey, Josh, we never forget, okay? We don't forget when you don't call us back. Now, next time we do talk, I called you two days ago. Why didn't you call me back? Yeah, because it's like, you know, being young in college, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh. <laughs> That's was, good stuff. But yeah, it's like I definitely um, see that more valuable now because especially I have to talk to my dad about different things. Like, yeah, because you know, time is valuable. You it never is. know. It is. Yes. You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess so. I'll say I guess with different uh, parents, I, I've noticed they say that you know being a parent teaches you different things. Uh, I guess what are some things that fatherhood taught you? Is there any things that your different kids taught you individually, or is there like something in general that just fatherhood in general taught you? Fatherhood has is, is taught me, it, it's, it's scary. Uh, when I had my first child, uh, Kristen, um, I was 26 years old, man. I, I, I didn't know how to be a dad. I, I was, you know, I, I was overprotective um, because it's, when you don't know, I mean, I think the biggest fear that you have as a parent is that you don't want to make a mistake, you know. And I think, you know, young parents or whatever, at whatever age you have kids, when you love your kids, you, you want to make sure they're well protected and you'll do whatever's necessary. I think one thing that I learned through my kids, it's okay. It's okay that you don't know. But if you don't challenge yourself to know, that's the biggest disappointment. And my kids kind of helped me along the way. Um, I had a great support system, you know, my first child. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and their mom was just amazing in reference to the nurturing and, and being there and knowing what to do a little bit better than I did. 
but uh, it it helped me become a better man. You know, I, I was I was I was kind of like the guy in the circus on the trapeze, man. I was a risk taker. You know? <laughs> I, I, I had the motorcycles. I mean, uh-huh. I, I was with a, uh, a motorcycle gang or a club in Kansas City, and uh, these guys were called the Night Riders, man. And you know, you go down the interstate, 120. 130 miles an hour, man. Ooh. I mean, it's, I, I was that guy. I, and I have to admit, I was that guy. And, uh, you know, my daughter was born. I, I, I looked back and I said, you know what? You know, when she was born, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I, I don't. I, it made me mature that now I have a responsibility. And uh, it, it kind of put me, you know, back in my, my dad's seat. But then, you know, my other two boys came along and, and you know, you start out with a girl. You got to be a little bit more softer. Yeah. And now I got two sons. So now, and now it's like, hey, I, I can be rough with these guys. I can yeah. beat them up a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, it helped me kind of do a reflection of how I was raised and and the connection that I have, you know, I had with my dad and how he taught me things. And that's what I wanted to do with my boys is just teach them how to be a man. You know, treat a woman the way you would want someone to treat your mom or your sister. You know, have some respect for individuals and don't go out and make mistakes and not, you know, own up to them. You know, a man steps up and, and does what a man needs to do when he when he has to get it done. So it just kind of helped me kind of fall in line. And, you know, and they've got great uncles that beat them up and keep them in line, too. So they, <laughs> my sons have a great support system. And my daughter, I, obviously, with my with my beautiful, you know, sisters, all have grown my kids. And it's been amazing. It's been a, a great journey. Okay, that's that's cool. That's that's, def- that's definitely um, dope. Uh, also, I thought this week I heard on on a different podcast, uh, kind of dealing with that is uh, the aspect of listening to those who came before you, um, being a cheat code uh, about just life. They're saying like how you know talking to older people is a cheat code because even if you're not like listening to what they're actually saying, like doing what they're they're saying, mm-hmm. but you can actually take what they're saying and use it to better your life even if it's uh what they're saying is bad or good you can use like okay i don't want to do that i'm going to use so i guess is there anything just in your life that you you've learned from older folks that you like that has impacted your life josh man i everything everything i've gone through when you grew up i grew up in down in the south and you know you, you got a lot of shade trees down there and and uh you know we had those shade tree seniors that would be hanging out you know, and, and as a kid, you sat there and you hear their stories and, and they would speak from a good place. And, and I hold on to all those conversations because rather be, you know, they tell you about life and tell you, you know, how to you know make sure you're careful of doing certain things. I, I've learned to embrace that. I, I love the fact that, you know, you hear those things. But sometimes when you're, you know, in your, your age group, younger to where people tell you certain things, you, you want to do it your way. Because you know more because technology has changed. Mm-hmm. Social media has changed. Um, information is more available, right? Back when I grew up, information was, you know, you, you didn't have a flip phone. You didn't have no, <laughs> now, you, you didn't have a cell phone. You, you had a phone that with, with a, you know, 50-foot wire that drug all the way through the house. So I think now as, you know, we grow up and we see, our seniors and our, the people that are more advanced in life that have tried to teach us certain things, we don't listen as much because we have these other resources available. But I'll be the first one to tell you, I, I'd much rather uh, sit in front of somebody that has some, you know, some, some seasonality and someone that, that has gone through some things so I could kind of get a better snapshot 
because it's not you won't find it on you know on Google. Mm-hmm. You know you won't go to Yahoo and find it. But a lot of people have a lot of great life experiences that I've applied. You know, in my life and business, and I've had some amazing mentors that have just you know grabbed me by the hand and just kind of pushed me in the direction I'm in right now. Yeah, because I, I I know just from when I, when I heard the other day, I was I thought about how. I just love having conversations with older people because it made me think of a conversation I had with someone just randomly at a, uh, I went to the Martin Luther King um, march right. um, a couple of years ago and just one of the guys I, I met randomly, he, he said it to me, he was like, yeah, I was going to the church when they had the Alabama church bombing. He was like, I, I went to that church. Wow. He was like, I was there and I was just like. Wow, yeah. and then he started going on to about how like that impacted his life, and like how he, he works with big brothers, big sisters, and it's just like how like being a mentor even now years later, how he still is involved with big brothers, big sisters all these years later, and how then it was just like wow, that was like a great conversation. Like I, I learned a history lesson just from yeah randomly just talking to him having so, a conversation. So I was like, you are a part of history yeah. <laughs> that I've heard about. <laughs> And it's like you're not in the books or anything. He was just no. like he was like, yeah. He's like, I went to the church. I was in that church when when the church bombing is. And, and That's amazing. It's like I, I walked with Martin and, and, and those and stuff. And I was just like. Wow, so it's just like that's why I love like conversations with older yeah. folks because you can always learn something. Absolutely. Um, next thing I, I, I want to you know kind of kind of uh, switch uh, a little bit uh, some sports talk. Uh oh. Want to make kind of a hard turn for some, some sports talk because you know last week you know talking about LeBron James and 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 and, and Michael Jordan. So. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the easy. This is the easy one, Josh. Go ahead, bring it, man. Bring uh, it. Uh, basically, just you know, one, how are you feeling about the the, the playoffs right now? Uh, with everybody that's still in there was it like the Suns, the, the Nets? Uh, Denver and all them. You know, I, I I have to admit I haven't been heavily involved with with the uh, NBA because my my Golden State Warriors aren't in it, so it's it's kind of tough for me to watch when my team is not playing. But I, I, I you know, and not that I hate LeBron, I, I just I'm just happy that the Lakers aren't there uh, <laughs> <laughs> because again, I mean, I, I I hope that the Clippers can do a turnaround. I mean, I, they won last night, which was great. I think the Phoenix Suns are just that miracle team, man. I, I never would have thought in a million years that the Suns would be dominating the way they are right now. Yeah, uh, they they just knocking it out. Utah, yeah, game for us today, man. <laughs> you know, Utah is playing tough. I mean, they they having breakout players that are just doing some crazy things. You know, uh, Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I I I've been following Durant. You know, ever since he was you know in Seattle SuperSonics and back in the day, and they changed and went to Oklahoma, but. Um, the games have really changed. I think, you know, now they're doing the big threes now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think it changes up some of the, you know, the, the methods of how championships are won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm an old school basketball guy, so I, I, I don't believe in the big three. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think it's kind of tainted, yeah. you know. But, uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to – I'm trying to predict who's probably going to be there. And I, I know Utah is probably going to be – in a championship game with somebody. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to one of my friends the other day, my, my co-host, Shot, and he told me something I didn't know, that all the teams that are left, it doesn't matter who wins it, it's all going to be the first championship for their franchise. Absolutely. I was like, that is crazy. Think about it, yeah. Yep, and this is the first year, and they said, what, 10 years that neither LeBron or Steph Curry is going to be in the finals? 
So I thought that was also kind of crazy. It's like, crazy. Hey, like I said, the whole the whole game has changed so much, Josh. That, it, that it's, nothing's predictable anymore. You think you got these dominating teams, but now some of these Cinderella teams popping up from out of nowhere, man. And it's, it's good to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so since you said you're uh, a Warriors fan, so I guess how, how would you say? Oh, how do you feel about your your Warriors s- season overall? And I guess next season because. I'm just ready to see Clay. I hope Clay comes back just I, I nice too. and healthy I and do, man. ready to go. It, 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 it was disappointing to to see the injuries impact. You know, um, you know the you know the Warriors and and you know see them not succeed because they've always been out there. I mean, Steph is just he's just cooking it up, man. I mean, you can't stop yeah. him, but he can't do it by itself. I mean, then you know um, Green is definitely going to be there, but. You gotta have you gotta have the you know the the, the you know you gotta have Clay in there. Yeah, you, you gotta have them in there, man. I mean, those guys are just bombing threes and playing the plays, and they just they just work so well together. And when you don't have that chemistry, it's tough to carry that that amount of weight. So you got to give you know Jeff his, his, his props for trying to carry the team and do what he got to get done, but he can't do it by himself. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a supporting cast. So hopefully Clay can get back healthy. You know, um, I know a couple of years back there was trade rumors about him wanting to go to L.A. With the Lakers, and I'm like, no, let's not do that. Let's let's not do that. That wouldn't be a good move. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of, one of our coworkers, Mac, he he was telling me like, oh, come on, you you, you know he, uh, you know his dad was a Laker, and yeah. I, I'm like, I, I still don't see it. I was like, I, I, I like I see it's it's gonna be Steph and Clay still Steph and still Clay. in Golden State, and he was even saying like, what about Steph coming to the Lakers? I'm like, I, nah, no. Nah. The fact that you know LeBron's from Akron, I'm like, I just don't. Nope, I, I think. Steph is just he's a he's a homer like he is. Golden State is his home, <laughs> so. yeah, and that's the way it needs to stay. They need, they need to bring another championship back, hopefully next season, kind of get some things lined out, and then get back to just being the best at what they do. Yeah, so, so I'm definitely excited to see where they go next year. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> All right, so um, you know, again, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> so get get. Uh, I'm not that good when it comes to arguing LeBron James because I, I don't really know all the stats and stuff. But I guess what what is your reason for why you think that you know Michael Jordan is still the best when it comes over you know LeBron James? Michael Jordan is the Mount Rushmore for the NBA, hands down. Yeah, I know um, you said all, all four it, heads need to be all four heads <laughs> on Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, I don't care how you look at it. Is Jordan, 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 Jordan? I mean, you know what, what, what. You know what, and like I said, I go back to creating the the dominating big three teams. Um, the game is definitely different. Um, you know, Michael, you know, is that type of leader that is demanding. I mean, I've seen, you know, his clips. I've watched the documentaries. I mean, it. it you know, from the outside looking in, you know, I, I can I can see that. You know, his passion, his drive, his commitment to the game, what he's contributed to the game is just amazing. I mean, from a from a athlete perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and taking nothing away from LeBron. I think LeBron is an amazing player. I think he's done so many things, you know, not only to, you know, uh, contribute to the NBA, but he's done some things outside of the NBA that have really made him to, to be the man that he is. And I got I, I, no discredit or no you know, knock on LeBron at all. It's just when it comes down to comparing him as a goat, you know, he, he's not a goat. He's not the goat. I'm, I'm sorry. He's not the goat. I mean, maybe for your age and time, yeah, he can be considered a goat because no one saw the legacy 
that was built before Jordan. And even before Jordan, we can mm-hmm. go back to the legacy of Dr. J, and mm-hmm. it goes back, you know. So there wouldn't be a Jordan if there wasn't a Dr. J, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So there wouldn't be a LeBron if without a Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yep. So it, 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 it we, takes we those We wouldn't have Kobe without Jordan. Yeah, thank you. Now, that's a different subject. Talk about the Mamba. I mean, <laughs> now, if there's ever, I mean, if there's ever a number two to go on the NBA Mount Rushmore, it would have to be the Mamba. You know, yeah. I mean, the finesse, the the way he mimicked Jordan, the way he played, you know, with such style and just he was just like a, a ballet with a basketball, man. I mean, these two guys were just had that type of play that you can truly call showtime, you yeah. know. So that's 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 what I see as the GOAT, man. Yeah, that's what I, I just tell people. I'm like, hey, I'm from the same hometown as LeBron. That's really just where my argument ends <laughs> right, there, right, right there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, he cries a little bit, you know, in the, the flopping. I'm not even going down that road, man. So I, was trying to be, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to not go down that negative road. But, but uh, I, I just tell you, I'm like, I'm, I'm a homer. I was like, Akron, Ohio. I was like, um, wow. I'm one of those guys. When he left Cleveland to go to Miami, I, I packed my bags. We went to Miami, too. Wow. So you followed him, huh? Yeah. When, when he said, oh, we headed back to the cold, I was like, Man, I wanted to, but I guess we headed back to the code. Wow. And then he said, Hey, we're going to LA. I was like, All right, let me get this purple and gold. Let me start looking on the internet for some some, wow. some purple and gold. <laughs> so people were like, you, you, What, you're not a real lake? I'm like, No. I was like, I'm admitted. I'm the captain. I'm the president of the LeBron James Bandwagon Club. Hey, there you I, go, man. I, I don't care. I, I was like, I've had other players that I've liked. Shaq, Shaq growing up was, was my guy, right. you know? When he was in Orlando, and then when he went to the Lakers, I, I loved it. And I was one of those guys that when him and Kobe split up, I was like, oh, I don't yeah. like that Kobe guy. Yeah. Forget him. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> so I, I was like, for, for some, definitely for some years, I was like, oh, I can't stand Kobe. He was like, I wow. can't believe he did that to the diesel like that. Hey, come on, <laughs> man. Hey, it's the Mamba. It's the Mamba. But yeah, I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a LeBron guy. I'm just now, I'm just trying to, you know, see who else is gonna I'm gonna like after, you know, he Again, finally. He's hangs a up. great player, man. I mean, take nothing away from him. An amazing player, um, and, and just mammoth, man. I mean, you know, you see guys that that size out there, you know, with a basketball and, and doing what they're doing is just amazing. So great player, man. No, you know, no negative things at all about his skill. <laughs> he truly knows how to play ball. So, yeah, yeah. Shout, shout to LeBron James. Let's hope to see that Steph, Steph, and LeBron back in the the playoffs. Oh, you know, God. going to the we go. next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pat Riley already invited LeBron to go back to Miami, so you uh, may oh, yeah. you may, you may uh, want to be ready for that one. So I know he told me I'll, I'll leave a shiny key for him. Under, 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 under under the mat. Mat. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And LeBron said he's, he's switching to number six for next season. Hint. I'm just saying he was six when he was with the Heat, so I don't know. I don't know. I just I just need my guy AD just to stay healthy and you know. Oh, come on, man. Right. Hey, we're gonna wrap him up with band aids, okay? Before he even plays, make sure he, <laughs> we gonna mummify him so he don't get broken up inside. So yeah, I was like every game was just like, come on, man. I need you to stand up straight yeah, for once. Yeah. Um. So to, also to keep it a fun and light. Um. Who would you say are some of your favorite? TV dads. Now I was like, I know that's a, wow. that's a, I know that's a big question. I know people, especially you know, with my guy Bill Cosby. But I'm like, hey, you can't. Cliff, Cliff Huxtable to me is still. Hey. I was like, the real guy Bill Cosby. Uh, we don't talk about. I was like, but Cliff Huxtable to TV me is still dads, man. And I'll also say Ooh. Uncle Phil is my, my second one. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with you. I've seen a lot of TV shows and and saw a lot of you know. Um, African American TV shows that you can identify with, and you kind of sit back and go, "Wow, man, that's that's pretty cool." Um, and I would have to say, yeah, it was Cosby Show. 
I mean, you, you, you know, actually saw it now another side of, of, you know, African-Americans that have been successful. And you kind of look at the, the comedy behind it and you look at, you know, what they, you know, present to you on television. And it gives you that reflection of, hey, look, it's, it's not a negative thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a reinforcement of, hey, loving your kids and being, you know, having fun with them. But at the same time, growing both within a household with a, a very strong mom and dad. So, yeah, I, I love Bill Cosby, man. I mean, Cliff Hustable, Dr. Yeah, Hustable. Yeah. I mean, but um, I think that was very strong. I mean, and I agree with you. You know, Fresh Prince, you know, Uncle Phil, mm-hmm. you know, he had that, you know, heart-to-heart. You know, he, he had that commitment of protection, but at the same time had that, you know, soft side to where, you know, he showed you that he was, you know, not only, you know, a, a provider, but mm-hmm. a good father figure to kind of guide got the whole crew, especially with, with Will Smith, man. Yeah. Hey, it, 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 with him, man, it's like, hey, look, here, you go, here we go again, right? But uh, he was always there, supportive, man. So I think it was a great exhibit of you know seeing fatherhood, you know, from a from the you know the big screen, yeah, and 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 having that relate to you as you're growing up in life. So it was just amazing, you know. It's a great question. That's a good question, man. Thanks. Yeah, uh, and we think about that. Yeah, any other TV dads you, you might think of that you that stand out to you? I mean, you know, I didn't watch a lot of television. I mean, um, you know, growing up, I mean, you, you had those '80s TV shows, and you know, you, you'd watch some stuff that was probably uh, more action packed for me instead of more of the family type shows. But um, I can't think of anything or any father figure that I saw back in the time that 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 exhibited that type of fatherhood. Um, Man, but there's just a lot of, you know, good, you know, exhibits of parents now being more connected to their kids. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for we can continue to have that type of fatherhood, motherhood, growing up together as a family type channel, TV, television that needs to be out there to see, to be seen. Yeah, we, we definitely need need more more of that out there. Um, let's see, where do we want to go to next? Um, okay, since you know this is the the music impulse, I'll say. Is there any certain artists or songs that you you made sure that you taught your kids uh, growing up about that you were like, hey, you need to know about like these three artists or like the, any Man. certain songs you were like, I need you to know this song. Well, I can tell you right now, all my kids know James Brown. I mean, hey, they 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 gonna hear it from me. Um, I acted out. <laughs> um, my kids know that I'm a James Brown fanatic. I mean, just the energy. Um, Will be one Prince, um, and not exactly in all these orders, right? Yeah. But uh, Prince, I actually had breakfast with Prince. You oh, know, wow. yeah, I, it was a uh, hey, true story, man. And it's just like Dave Chappelle said. Um, <laughs> I was invited uh, to a concert. A very close friend of mine uh, was, you know, uh, at a Prince concert uh, right there on the stage. It was amazing, you know, atmosphere and time we had. Got invited to go to breakfast with Prince. Oh, wow. That's and, and we had pancakes. I'm telling you, it was just like Dave Chappelle said. <laughs> on, <laughs> a real truth, man. One thing in life. And um, it, it, we sat there, man, and, and very humble, you know, individual. And so, you know, I, and it was even before I had that opportunity to, to, to personally, you know, meet Prince. Um, and then the last one would be, you know, my kids grew up with Michael Jackson. I mean, those three icons were just something that my kids now see and hear uh, through my life and how, you know, they were growing up that where I'm sure if you asked them about what's, you know, one of their favorite Prince songs or James Brown songs, they'll know it. Mm-hmm. You say Michael Jackson, they're going to know it. 
Yeah. But yeah, those those were, you know, moments that I connected with my kids to where I shared with them music that I liked and you know, obviously they have their own, you know, likes of their own, but they all kind of fall in line with those three. <laughs> They're like, hey, which one? Which artist your dad? Not they? They gonna say those three? Those oh three. man, they gonna tell you James Brown in a heartbeat. Yeah. Man, they gonna tell you any James Brown song is my dad's song because <laughs> I'll get out there and I'll be, hey, I'll be doing the moves. <laughs> I, I can't do the splits anymore, okay? But I can, I can slide, you know. Okay, with, I can, okay. I can do a little slide, you know. You give me some, you know, give me some talcum powder and my shoes, and I'm, I'm sliding across the floor, man. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, next question: What is a song that reminds you of your childhood? Man, a song that most reminds me of my childhood would have to be a, a gospel song. And uh, it was called Soon and Very Soon, We're Going to See the King. And that song stuck with me uh, for many, many years, Josh. Um, I was at a, uh, a, a revival, um, and I heard that song, man. It was just so inspiring to me that... It's always kind of stuck with me. It's always giving me that soft spot in my heart where I heard that song and it's just so connected to where I am right now and how you know thankful I am that that I have God in my life. Cool, so, cool. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that was kind of pretty much all I I, I had for you. Uh, if you want to give like the folks, you know, way they can contact you or whatever, you know, to get your book and you know, follow follow your movements. Um, I am on Facebook under Leonard T. Robinson. I also have an Instagram at Robinson underscore international. And I have Twitter account as well. And you can go to my websites. I have two different websites right now. I have a a website for my life coach, which is Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N-I-N-T-N-L.com. And that's for my life coach. And the same uh, address at www.robinsonintnlcbd.com. That's my CBD uh, products that I also have available. And like I said, you know, um, those two websites are, are, are definitely, you know, my motivation, my motivation for healing, mm-hmm. uh, both from a, a connectivity with working with individuals, but the CBD part is to help others have alternatives uh, other than taking prescribed medication. And that's really what I kind of got into uh, the CBD is just doing the research mm-hmm. and make, you know, giving people an opportunity to have a natural heal. And that's all what CBD does. It's, you know, it's a natural healing that allows an individual to recoup from a balanced perspective, from a pain relief to anxiety, depression, the whole nine yards. So, uh, and that was really the big piece of my, my concept of heal is giving that back and offering some alternatives for people to do different things with their life. Yeah, cool. Yeah, like I said, uh, I definitely ran, ran through this book for about 45 pages of it so far this mo- just this morning. So uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. <laughs> definitely an easy read, and I suggest everybody check it out. So, again, thank you for coming through and doing the show. I ho- hope you have a good rest of your day, and, you know, I'll see you at work. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks so much. All right, it's your boy Smiles, and this has been another episode of The Music Impulse, and we are out.